Hello, listeners. Uh, not viewers this time because we're doing this one just as a podcast. But welcome back to TWTFM on the sofa for this show. We're very lucky to be joined by Asad Rahman from The War on Once. How are you doing, Asad? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for letting me join you on this very comfy sofa. It is comfy, isn't it? Yeah, People yeah, have yeah, been yeah. saying blown the budget on the <laughs> we brown <have> sofa. <laughs> so tell us, what have you been up to at TWT so far? Well. Um, I mean, we as a we're an actual sponsor of TWT, and that's because, as an organisation that's been founded in the labour movement and rooted in the labour movement, we were founded over 60 years ago uh, by many notable labour movement figures, uh, uh, with a with a, a focus that we wouldn't be like all the other charities and NGOs we would focus on the root causes of poverty inequality and injustice that we would stand and support social movements and grassroots organizations around the world but we'd also run campaigns here in this country and uh, over that 60 years we've been one of the few organizations that can say we stood with the anti-colonial movements mm. politically and, and providing support we stood with the national liberation movements from South Africa to Eritrea to Bangladesh, all the way to Nicaragua and El Salvador. Uh, we were one of the founders of the anti-globalization movement, pointing out how imperialism had shifted from violent imperialism to the imperialism of, of trade rules and globalization. Mm. We opposed neoliberalism mm. when no people would say, what is that word? Um, and we, of course, uh, do a lot of work also around uh, in climate injustice mm. and a lot of what we have been doing here is twofold two things I'd say first is um, and really really important that TWT is an important space to begin to have that inter conversation about internationalism yeah. in a weird way internationalism disappeared from progressive politics for a while uh, people's focus of course because of the challenges of austerity were very much on the nation state and I think when we think about these issues, we recognise that they're systemic, they can only be solved at a global level as well, mm. and that the UK has a responsibility. And so uh, part of it is to bring back internationalism and work with people to do that, and secondly is to raise the climate crisis here. Mm. And I, I was going to pick up on that last point in particular, because correct me if I'm wrong, I think I saw you speak in Parliament last year on Good Green Jobs at a New Economics Foundation event, which was fascinating. Um, and I'd like to ask you specifically about the climate crisis and the relationship to, to your work with War on Wants. Um, and, you know, fundamentally the incom incompatibility of capitalism with dealing with the climate crisis and whether you think those two things are completely impossible to have together and we need a full transition to socialism if we want to deal with the climate uh, injustices mm. that we're seeing at the moment. Well, it doesn't need me to say, uh, but somebody like Nicola Stern, who's a, a very mainstream uh, economist who wrote the, the 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 seminal sort of analysis of mm. uh, of 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 the economy economic economy of climate change said climate change is the biggest single failure of the free market, and so of course when we recognise the scale of what we're facing and why we're facing what we're facing, it's because of neoliberal capitalism. It's because of an historic arc of sacrificing the global south that stretches from slavery to now. It's about the deregulation of capital, the multinational power of multinationals. It's about our trade rules. It's about the fact that we have l literally looted the global south for resources and extracted that wealth. And that's why we, where we are where we are. Now, the solutions to this crisis, and it's not an environmental crisis. Climate change has never, ever been a crisis of the environment by itself. It's ultimately a crisis of the political economy, and it's a crisis of impacts on the poorest people in the world. And when we're saying the poorest people in the world, you know, we can quantify that. 
10% of people who are the most responsible for global emissions, half of all global emissions, are in rich countries. The poorest 50% are only responsible for 10% of emissions. But it's that same poorest 50% who are also kept mm. for under living on $5 a day and don't have access to food and water and energy. So our solutions have to deal with the issues of crisis of inequality as well as climate change. That's why you can have to think beyond neoliberalism. Basically, neoliberalism has no answers to this crisis. Mm. So we need an imagination and a vision of a different kind of economy and a different kind of mm. world. So tell us how you've been bringing that imagination and vision to the world transformed. What have you been up to in terms of the panels you've uh, maybe been on or things you've been to see that cover this sort of topic? So we've done a whole series and uh, of events here, some that have been you know, organised by War and Want and others that we've, 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 we've helped support. And some of them have been trying to do the political education, people, make people understand that, for example, the wealth of this country uh, has been from the extraction of wealth from the global south. So, you know, one of the figures I use is, you know, during the British Raj, when Britain went to India, and when it, by the time it left, it had taken 45 trillion pounds out of India, right? That's 16 times the amount, the GDP of Britain. So it's an immense wealth that it's taken out. Uh, and so what does that mean for our responsibility? And then other conversations we've been having is saying, so what is the answer to this? And of course, one of the very exciting conversations that people are beginning to have is around a green deal mm. and one of the things that we've been trying to say is well if the green deal is built upon extracting more materials from the global south and continuing the same level of exploitation then it doesn't solve the crisis that we need a global deal for people in a very very different way so this is particularly around uh, some of the rare earth metals that are needed for making solar panels and batteries and things like that i've heard you um, critique the idea of giving everyone an electric car and thinking that you've solved the environmental crisis, for instance. Absolutely. Look, we live in a, a, a finite planet and our material use resources are finite as well. And we've overwhelmingly consumed more of the world's resources than is fair. Yep. Now, extracting another scale of extraction, not just in rare earth, minerals or metals, but, you know, how much copper do we need? Mm. How much metals do we need yeah. to create new electric cars? And is it actually the solution, right? Mm. Because, you know, m metal extraction for itself, for example, is responsible for about 20% of global emissions. So we're not actually solving the crisis by saying, let's unleash another wave of metal extraction. Yeah. But it also means we can't sacrifice workers yeah. right? and we have to recognize there are issues about jobs here so we have to think about an economy where work we can guarantee good work union work mm. well-paid work um, but in a kind in a very different way so you can't simply green mm. a fossil fuel based economy that's our main critique so that's something i'd love to pick up on actually because i was going to ask you about you know we we can agree on the things that we need to do in the climate crisis and how we move forward but the important thing is to make it popular, right? And, and that takes good politics. And if you are gonna bring these messages across about you know, limiting the number of resources that we use and finite resources on the global planet, we, we need to have a conversation about, is this a politics of sacrifice and supplication? Or is it a positive politics where we can reimagine a better future for people? So how important do you think it is to bring across a positive uh, message that this transition won't be one that we have to make lots of difficult uh, sacrifices it actually can be one that can make everyone's lives better uh, absolutely well, I often sit here and think you know when people will write about this moment and will look back they will judge the environment movement very very harshly yeah. they'll say that the environment movement made a mistake by talking about 
white polar bears on white icebergs for climate change. They, they made a mistake by talking about it in a very, very technical sense, mm. about parts per million in temperature levels. Yeah. And they made a mistake by talking about it as being everything will be less. We have to think about and talk about everything will be better. Why? So our demands should be like people's demands. We should be saying to people, tackling the climate crisis means that we everybody will have a warm home. Mm. I will retrofit. We'll have free public transport, electrified public transport. We will invest in you know society and the economy to, to, to guarantee everybody a dignified life. I think the one thing most people realize is, you know, even in a place where we have high levels of employment, most of that employment is precarious. People are working many, many jobs. They're working not to, they're, they're, they're working basically just to survive. Mm. We can think about an economy that's very, very different. We could think about shorter working weeks. We can think about good living wages guaranteed. So our, my vision of a better economy is actually a fairer, more just, a cleaner economy. And that doesn't have to be at the expense of the poorest in the rest of the world. We can demand the same thing. So if we're going to say housing should be a right here, it should be a right globally. If we're talking about NHS here, we should be talking about a global NHS so that people don't see we're making a choice between our domestic agenda and our international mm. agenda. What we're making a choice is between a politics of, of, of exploitation and injustice and a politics of inclusion and, social inclu um, and socially just. And I think most people would accept that and would say, that's the kind of vision I want to be part of. That's the world I want, a better, mm. fairer, cleaner, happier world. What's, what's wrong with that? Who's not going to agree with us? Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly the point. And it's, it's interesting to see how over the last few years, the socialist left has managed to catalyze that argument, particularly in the United States with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, and her Green New Deal and Bernie Sanders. Um, and then I guess in Europe, you've had a number of, uh, you know, what you saw in the European elections, obviously the green liberal left gaining a lot of support, but it's a signifier that, you know, environmental politics and um, a shift into a new kind of economy, uh, a new eco-centric economy is becoming a popular, a popular force. I guess my question to you would be, you know, you're here endorsing TWT, you're working with the socialist movement in this country. Are you hopeful that internationally that there are going to be similar movements that are going to be successful at implementing this kind of radical change uh, elsewhere in Europe and across the world? Yeah, what, what's the theory of change for you? Well, first of all, I would say, you know, uh, for the global north, uh, I mean, it's more a case of welcome to the party yeah. because, you know, many of these demands and these fights have been taking place by the global south for decades. And the question they've always asked is, we're involved in resistance, we're being involved in power. Where are the movements in the UK and in the rich countries to stand alongside with us, to take on the fact that it's, you know, our banks and corporations and companies. So we welcome this. We welcome the fact that there's a new movement. But that new movement, you know, can't be scared into existence because people think, oh my God, it's going to happen to me, we yeah. must do something. So empty demands around climate emergency, which open the door for mad bad, they open the door for eco-fascism, they open the door for all quite horrific things as well, mm. as well as urgency. We have to populate it with real concrete politics. Now my theory of change is that there is, we're, we're heading to a multiple crisis. And uh, the key question in all of this is, can we build power? Can we unite our movements of movements? Can we make people understand this is not an environmental fight, there's not a separate migrant justice fight or a workers' fight. These are fights that are all interconnected. The greatest, whilst climate change is the greatest injustice in the world, weirdly, the flip side of it, every solution to the climate crisis 
is a solution which is progressive and it's just yeah. and what our movements are demanding it's about bringing those together and creating i think an unstoppable movement so you need a vision you need political demands and then you need an ability and a th and and to build power to connect those movements i think we start to see a glimpse of it on friday with the climate strike uh, of how a whole generation of younger people are joining the dots and are actually leapfrogging much of the what I'd call the traditional progressive movement. And that's great. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be pulling the whole of the movement to a better position. So uh, you've obviously leading an organisation in War on Want that for years and years now has articulated uh, a very radical, at least in terms of where the mainstream conversation has been at, critique of neoliberalism. And in my mind, I've always put war on want uh, inside a sort of category of very practical radicalism alongside slightly strange bedfellows, people like the Ramblers Association, where they their radicalism has emerged from um, their, their just the practical concerns of their members. So I wondered, so what is it for you in terms of the history of your engagement with development that's um, led to the sort of formation of your worldview? And I would say right from day one to right now, uh, it's because we've had an anti-imperialist lens in, informed by the realities of our movements. So the positions we take are articulated by global and social movements in the global south. The demands that we make, the understanding that we have, when it's rooted in that resistance, in those realities, there is no alternative but to take a radical position because that's what our movements demand, that's what the, pol the politics demands, and that's what the issues demand. So for us, it's not a theoretical issue. It comes from lived experience. It comes from lived solidarity. And that's the most important kind of politics, I think fascinating and inspirational stuff before we let you go is there anything you'd like to, to plug I mean we give the opportunity to anyone out there who is listening to the TWTFM podcast where can they find you at War on Wants where should they follow what's the website so it's www.waronwant.org uh, as I said we are the labour movement's charity and, and uh, you know we stand with the movements in the global south mm. uh, we work with the trade unions and of course here with the broader progressive and social movement but we do that because we have members who support us and uh, I really appeal to people you know you, in these moments we have to make decisions what, what are the progressive organisations that should be supported what are the progressive organisations that need to be aligned and how do we work ensure real international solidarity mm -hmm. so we're constantly bringing communities over to this country taking on the corporations the multinationals and uh, that's where our movement has always got to show up as well so the next one is we're taking on bhp we'll <laughs> be there in october we'll be sent please come along uh, but more importantly do what you're doing right which is uh, I think everybody who's involved here in TWT and in the broader politics, join the dots and build our power. Amazing. Yeah. Asa Rema, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Cheers, thank you.